for someone, and I know you guys are in the fire space, I think that if someone really wanted to supercharge their fire and they were really committed, I think that people say travel hacking is getting free flights with points and that. But I think that what we really spend the most on is our accommodation, whether that's travel or at home. So if you really wanted to kind of cut out your biggest expense, I think house sitting would be a good option for someone. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you'll get a behind-the-scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show, where today we have on Britt Sharman from The Traveling House Hitters. But before we get into that, let me check in with my co-host, Justin. What is going on, man? Hey, Cody. Uh, this weekend was actually supposed to be pretty chill. You know, the previous weekend, we had Leslie's big birthday bash, so we are like, hey, happy with no plans. Decided to invite some neighbors over to cook some pizzas. Cooked uh, six, well, four pizzas, one giant calzone, and some and some garlic cheese bread. You know, I love making my pizzas, and and that's all we really plan on doing that day is just making some pizzas, not really doing anything else that weekend. But actually, got this opportunity kind of dropped in my lap where this one guy I love, Coetzel, who was playing down south of Austin, had a concert, been sold out forever. I hadn't really even considered it because I was supposed to be seeing him in Idaho. And that's a whole other story, but didn't get to see him in Idaho. So I was like, oh man, I'd love to go down there, but just tickets were sold out. Any resale tickets were stupid. And then my buddy reached out to me unsolicited because I'd told him I liked the band, you know, a week ago and said, hey, like, you know, my friend knows somebody who's got two tickets for sale, 50 bucks a piece, and you get access to the VIP line. I'm like, done, you know, we hopped in the cars about an hour away and drove down and got set up right before, you know, the main act started. So had a little little night out, wasn't expecting, and then Saturday celebrated a, a friend's birthday at a local restaurant, and then Sunday just kind of did some some house chores. How about you, Cody? Well, I was planning on also taking it easy this weekend because we had, like you said, the huge birthday bash and went out on the lake, but it didn't really pan out that way. So we had a heat wave from Massachusetts, nothing compared to Texas at all. I mean, it was like 100 plus degrees every day. I was dripping sweat, but for Massachusetts, mid-90s all week means that you know, it's lake season. People are out and about. People are having fun, cookouts, all that good stuff. So we ended up hanging out at the lake house like pretty much all weekend with a bunch of friends. We had a ton of people over on Sunday. We had a friend bring his pontoon boat over. But actually on the business front, had a new opportunity kind of fall into our lap. So I've talked a bit about the Airbnb that we purchased earlier this year and we launched officially back in May. And it's been doing really, really well. Like this month, I think we're going to just have over six grand in gross revenue. Now, obviously, it's not profit. And, you know, there are things like cleaners, but we're still making a decent chunk of change. And so our business partner, Brooke Packard, who's actually been on the podcast before, she owns a cleaning company. She's cleaning this woman's house and the woman's like, we're thinking about maybe selling this place, but I always want to try Airbnb and see if you know we can make it work and we can at least cover the mortgage and utilities. And Brooke's like, I think we can do a lot more than that for you. So we ended up you know, meeting with this woman and kind of laid out a business plan for her, ended up negotiating 30%. And this lady has like a 3,000 square foot home on a lake. Like it's beautiful lakefront property, newly renovated kitchen. It's it's gorgeous. Like this place is going to be able to, we're going to be able to charge like $800 a night on weekend nights during the summer. So this lady is going to be super happy. We're super happy because we already have all the systems set up. We already like know how to run a similar Airbnb, albeit hers is bigger and nicer than ours. 
And yeah, it just it's an opportunity that like just because we were taking action and this lady knew that we were taking action, she knew that Brooke had been doing this Airbnb thing, like literally just the fact that Brooke had probably mentioned it in passing. Now we have this new opportunity that we're probably going to be making a couple grand per month in profit with our Airbnb business. So I thought that was just a little cool little tidbit. Like if you're someone who's doing anything, whether it's online or a side hustle, just like tell people, let people know, because you never know who might need your help and who you can partner with. But Justin, that's enough about our personal updates. Let's talk about the star of the show today, Britt Sharman from the Traveling House Sitters. So I kind of love episodes like this where I think people listening can take immediate action. Like Britt gets into how her and her husband have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars from doing this thing called house sitting. And you guys might have heard people talk about it in passing before. But we talk about house sitting this entire episode, how you can set up a profile, what websites to use, where are the best places to do house sitting. And Britt has stayed in some amazing places around the world for absolutely free. And kind of the gimmick, and you'll hear more about this in the episode, is that you're either you know watching a pet that they might have left behind or you're taking care of the property in some form or fashion. There is kind of an exchange going on there, but it's not money. Most of the time, you're staying there for absolutely free. Maybe you got to take the dog on a walk a couple times a day. Maybe you got to mow the lawn or you got to weed the garden or whatever the trade might be. But it just, it's amazing to see how, and you know, Justin and I talk about getting creative all the time in this podcast. It's amazing to see someone like Britt put this in action, travel the world for free. And I seriously think this is something a lot of people can replicate. Yeah, Cody. I mean, I think all of our guests are really interesting, but we only have so many guests that when I listen to, I'm like, that is something that I really want to implement in my life that will just completely change things. And me and Leslie both work completely remote. And we've always had this, you know, dream of slow traveling around, but we want to keep our main residence. And I know we're going to try to do some Airbnb stuff to help it pay for itself. But then if you pull that lever and take away not having to pay for the new place as well, I mean, it just completely changes the math, being able to take away that expense. And she's had such great experience. And I think, you know, maybe when some people think about using something like house sitting, if they were traveling at all, especially slow traveling, Maybe they would think, hey, but I don't want to have to move around so much. She stayed in places for like a year in one place. So that was the other interesting thing to me that I don't think a lot of people realize is that you can not only do this and how to do it, but that you can do it for these really long periods of time. So you can really get to go and enjoy a place and be stable and get to know the community. So if you're as fired up about this episode as we are and want to go and check out some of those links so you can get all the details or share it with a friend who you think would love some free slow travel. You can do all that over at thefyshow.com slash Brit. That's thefyshow.com slash B-R-I-T-T. Take it away, Brit. I think my first experience was I lived over in London for two years and I had the holiday work visa and just kind of exploring Europe and meeting all different people. And you know what it's like when you start traveling, you find more and more places you want to go. So that was kind of like my first, I got bitten by the travel bug, I guess. And when you're doing that travel, did you find this is something I want to do a lot more of, but unfortunately, it's just too expensive? Or did you put thoughts of traveling a lot more on the back burner? I definitely wanted to keep traveling, but our two-year visa was coming to an end. And we kind of thought, are we going to go back to Australia or keep traveling? And we just knew how expensive Europe was. So that's kind of where we started getting the house sitting then. Okay. So you developed this love for travel with that holiday visa in London. Were you staying in Airbnbs? Did you have some kind of accommodation set up or what was the housing situation like over there? When I was in London, so I was working there. So we had an apartment, we're sharing about four or five people. So it wasn't your lovely spacious home. It was definitely an old share house. 
And so at what point did you discover a different way of traveling? So I went to meet a friend in the park one day and she showed up with a dog and we were both traveling from Australia. So I kind of said, where this animal come from? She goes, oh, I'm house sitting. And we've been living in these kind of desolate share houses. And she goes, I'm living in this really swanky part of London looking after this dog for the next three weeks. And I kind of thought, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. So I kind of went away and did a bit of research for myself. And that's when I found out there was just so many that I could do. So I started doing a few around London and then a few more into Europe once we started traveling there. And at this point, were you just going off recommendations from your friend or did you have certain sites that you were looking for these house sitting gigs on? Yeah, so I was just using the one that she recommended and that was Trusted House Sitters and there was one UK house sitters as well. So, that were the two we used over there. And what kind of time frame are we talking about? Like what year was this and how competitive was it? Or did you find that when you saw something that you wanted, you had a pretty good chance of actually getting that house? That was back in 2015. And it was quite competitive when I started. I didn't realize how competitive it would be, especially when I didn't have any references. So I think I started around, kind of starting to apply around October, November, and I kind of got knocked back quite a few times. And then all of a sudden, I was just getting accepted. I was getting all these emails. And I realized around holiday times that people get quite desperate for a house sitter. And it's a lot easier when you don't have any reviews or references. So I kind of found that was kind of a good way to get the foot in the door. And do you think it's enough to just hang out on one platform like that? I know you mentioned trusted house sitters. Are there other ones? Like when someone wants to get involved in this, is there like a whole slew of sites that they should sign up for right away? Yeah. I think that trusted house sitters is kind of like the Airbnb. It's like the biggest one. All the homeowners are there. All the house sitters are there. So it is the most competitive. However, though, when certain countries have kind of country specific ones. So if you're heading to a certain area in Australia, we have about three or four ones that are quite good. And then in Europe, there's one called Normador, which is quite good. Those ones are a little bit cheaper, but you'll find there's just not as much on there, but more country Pacific. And when you say a little bit cheaper, what is the money exchanging hands? Or is it just typically you're exchanging the service of watching the house and you get to set the house for free? Yep. I've always done it as a value exchange. Well, I've never charged for it. I always thought it might have been a bit of an issue with visas and tax. I know a lot of people do charge for it when they're kind of just doing it domestically. So that kind of aspect of being paid for it, I don't. But then signing up for a house sitting site, I think the most expensive one is around $150. And then I've seen it go down to about $40 a year. But I kind of find that even if you are paying $150 a year, one or two nights in an Airbnb somewhere kind of covers that. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of actually creating one of these profiles, standing out and actually getting hired for a gig. Because I'm sure you know, there's a lot of people out there that want to travel the world, stay in cool places for free. What are some things you can do to make your profile stand out on these sites? Whether it's like your profile picture, your description, the services you offer. I think two of the main things, your images. So I have a lot of images with me and all the animals I've looked after. And then I think a lot of people focus on the profile, but I think what the main thing is, is your application. I think that reading what the homeowner actually wants and then kind of pointing out the skills and experience you have that kind of would fit that. If they're looking for someone, if they have elderly pets, you could mention that you have experience administering or you're comfortable with medication. Or if they're looking, they've got puppies, you could, you could, if you've had experience, you could mention that you've looked after puppies before or just kind of showing them that you've read what they're after and that you can deliver that service. I think that's the main way to kind of, that's what I kind of tell everyone that that's the best way you can really lock someone in. And you've mentioned pets quite a few times, and I imagine that's a big part of this. Is that 
always the case? Are there always pets or are there other things that people might want you to do to, as part of that value exchange? Uh, definitely. I think we found a lot in France, a lot of people in Spain as well have second homes there. So they just like to know someone's in the home. The pipes aren't freezing. It's the bit of security for them. So there are a lot of instances, especially in Mexico as well, where people have second homes. We've done quite a few of those kind of ones. So it's not always looking after animals. So is there any places that are just a lot better in terms of inventory, in terms of experience than other places? You just mentioned a couple continents just in the past few minutes. I mean, you're from Australia. You're talking about Mexico and Europe. I've heard of people doing this in the States. That's four continents already. What are like the hot spots and what are the cold spots for this? Yeah, I'd say the cold spots are probably South America and parts of Asia. I would say places like Singapore, Hong Kong, Bangkok, places where there's a big expat community, it's quite big. But those two places isn't as prevalent. And I find that if people do want to go there, I do have some tips if they do want to find house sits. I just suggest joining expat groups in that city and advertising your services. You kind of have to put yourself more out there in those locations. But I think the most popular places would be France, Spain, and the US and Australia. Those four are probably the biggest ones I find. And we've talked a little bit about what you can kind of do to make sure you can actually get someone to accept you to come and stay at their place. But what about the flip side, like things you should look out for, places maybe you don't want to book? Definitely. If I'm not in the same location as someone, I always jump on a video call. I like to see the house first. It doesn't need to be crazy clean, but I just like to be in a nice clean environment, feel safe. I like to know kind of the animal's medical history. I don't want to be walking into some. I've never had any issues with anything happening with animals, so I like to make sure the animals are in good health. And if they do require medication, I like to know what it is just so I feel comfortable administering that. So, yeah, just making sure I feel comfortable in the situation. I always, after an interview, kind of say, you know, we'll both go away, think about it and come back just so we can both think is this a situation we want to put ourselves into? I know you just mentioned medications. So what types of things are you doing with these animals typically? Is it most of the time it's like feed them in the morning, feed them at night, that's it? Or it sounds like medication might be a part of all of this or just like what should people expect? How much time should they expect spending taking care of the animals when they're house sitting? I think it can range. It really depends what you kind of get yourself into. If you commit to caring for a puppy, that might be a couple of hours a day. Or you might commit to someone has horses. If you have experience with that, that could be a lot of work. Or it might just be a cat where you see it once a day, put some food out, and that's all. I've looked after a rabbit before. I couldn't find him for a couple of hours at a time. Like <laughs> you kind of have to think about what your experience is and what you kind of want to give. And getting like maybe slightly tactical, like if we're looking at a specific location, I mean, say it's Thailand and you're looking and you want to find a place. What's your method of finding the perfect place for you? Is it all just like filtering down by a specific location? Or for those who are not familiar with the way the user interfaces for these websites, like what's your method for finding the perfect place? My method is I like to try and find ones over at least three weeks. So I'll, I usually just jump on each morning. I'll put in all the, I'll kind of put in the location I want to go, put in the filters such as the, I probably, I'm not so much co comfortable with any kind of farm animals, horses, cows. I'll do chickens, but just dogs and cats I'm kind of more comfortable with. And then over the three-week mark, I'd always search for. And I didn't realize this was a bit of an issue, but so I've always got to like make sure they have uh, internet connection because I have shown up to some where they haven't had <laughs> internet. 
But like I said before, if there isn't in that any on the platforms in that location, I will join a few expat groups and kind of advertise my services there as well. Because I find that expats, they always have their three, four weeks that they can go home every year and they usually do have family pets. So it's kind of that's a good one to get into. And then they have a lot of referrals as well because they're kind of a part of an expat network in that area. And so is that literally as simple as going on Facebook? Let's say you want to go to France and you type in Australian expat group. France or just expat group on Facebook, France, or like, how does that work? Like, give it to me at the easiest level possible or the yeah. easiest way possible. I'd probably go a little more granular. I'd go maybe Nice, like expats in Nice, expats in Paris, kind of look for each city and join those groups. But for those, for France, unless you're heading to Asia or South America, I think there's hundreds and hundreds of house sits on the platforms for France and Spain. So you probably wouldn't need to go searching Facebook groups there. I had a look yesterday. I think there was over 3,000 in the UK available at the moment. And when you're talking about for somebody getting started, because that's kind of the view I'm thinking through is a lot of our listeners have probably never done this. They're trying to get something off the ground. You mentioned reviews, referrals, that sort of thing. Is there anything that an individual user can do to help themselves get started? Like, can you get referrals from people off platform? Like you've stayed with people before that they could put something together and then for on platform, like the trusted house sitter, is there something that you do where you're asking for a review or you're asking for certain words to be left in your review? I always follow up with homeowners and ask them to leave me a review. I kind of ask them if you could write about the animals I cared for and the services I provided. That's why I always ask when I kind of follow up. And then I always actually suggest doing house sitting for friends or family first because it kind of gives you an idea if you enjoy the responsibility, the moving around, living in someone else's home. And then you do kind of have those first few reviews to kind of kickstart your profile. And I know with Trusted House, it is they do have a function where you can request external reviews. So you can send a link to them and then upload the reviews there. And if you are using a few different platforms and doing Facebook and all these different things, I do suggest creating either a Canva document or a web page, or something that you can just link to in your application. So it kind of has all your reviews in one place for them to have a look at. So on your about page on your website, thetravelinghousesitters.com, you say you're full-time professional house and pet sitters. And I know you mentioned before that most of the time it's just an exchange of you get to stay at their place for free, you're taking care of their pets, or you're watching after their second home. So how are you actually bringing in an income? Are you working remote online or how does it work on kind of the personal finance side of things? Yep. So I work remote for myself. I'm a web developer. So I've been doing that for the last four or five years. After London, we moved to Dublin and we house sat there for a year and I was working in an agency. And then from there, we traveled to Thailand. We spent a year there. And since then, I've been working for myself remotely. The two kind of working well together. I'm really curious about the rest of the lifestyle, especially finding that network of people. I know you mentioned you always look for at least three weeks. So it does give you some time to kind of get into the community. But still, if you were bouncing around every month, like that could be tough. Do you feel like you're able to find a community where there's these people that you get to know and you see on a regular basis? Yeah, that is tough. When we do usually get to a house that I found a lot of times the homeowner, they will introduce us to their kind of friends and family. And so we've met a lot of people that way as well. But with the house sitting, sometimes we will stop, like we did stop in Thailand for about six months and we kind of had a bit of a community there. And I kind of pick places to house it where I kind of want to go. 
So if I know a friend or family member is going to be in a certain location, I'll look for how sits in that area. It's not always traveling. We spent a year back in Melbourne, where I'm from, house sitting the whole time. We had two, three months kind of sits there. And that kind of helped us save a lot to keep going and traveling again and being able to have those breaks. So it's not always in exotic countries. You can just do it at home. At the moment in Australia, there's just so many. Everyone wants to travel again. I'm getting so many emails (laughs) from people. (laughs) So do you have a full-time primary residence yourself or are you just literally hopping around house to house to house? We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis at my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash fyshow, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash fyshow to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash fyshow. Now back to the show. I did rent over COVID. There was periods where a lot of people were kind of trying to head off around Australia and travel domestically. So I did do a few longer house sits then, but it was getting a bit tough with the lockdowns because one minute you can travel and one minute you can't. So it was a bit hard for people to really plan anything. So I did rent then, but going forward, I will be doing more house sitting this year. I thought about this question because I remember when I used to do a little bit of lift driving on the side, like you start doing it for someone and then maybe you live close to them or they like the service you provide. They like whatever. They want to be able to call you and just have you come pick them up off platform, right? Like it's better for both people. Like you don't have to pay the fees. I know this is less of a monetary transaction, but if you have a client who really enjoyed your services and they just want to reach out and have you come house it for them again, they don't want to go through all the application. Is there a risk to that or is that something that like you're comfortable doing? I would say the only risk really would be with trusted house sitters. I'm not sure about the other platforms as much, but they give you, you and the homeowner insurance. So if anything happens, you're covered but with them. And depending on what level membership you get with them, even if someone cancels a house sit, they will then cover you for accommodation for that period as well. So I do do them off the platform, even though I would prefer to do it on there just for the insurance purposes. And something you just said there was levels of membership. Could you explain what that means a little bit more? Just recently, they've kind of split up their memberships into three levels. The basic one, I think that one does give you insurance and you can apply for any house that's on there. The middle one, you definitely have insurance. You have access to, I think, 24-hour vet on call. And then I think their top tier covers you for the insurance. You get the insurance if some of the cancellation And then you also get an airport lounge and travel things as well. So I'm on the middle middle tier at the moment. And as part of that insurance, you mentioned if the house sitter cancels on you, because I could imagine that being a big problem. Like you've traveled to a completely different country. You show up, all of a sudden they're saying, nope, can't stay here anymore. That that's providing you with a place to stay. Have you actually had to do any of these insurance claims, whether it be because of a cancellation or because of something going wrong in the house? 
Luckily, I've never had it where I am actually have travelled there and they've cancelled. It's only kind of with COVID when they couldn't travel at all. So luckily, I haven't had to put any of the insurance claims in. But I do have a community of house sitters on Facebook. And they said, I actually, was a, someone started a thread the other day asking about how hard it is to make these claims. And they said it was pretty easy. They put it through pretty quickly. And speaking of things that could go wrong, I feel like this could unpack an interesting story. Do you have any house sitting nightmares? Like, do you have the crazy dog that like you couldn't even go near because it was so aggressive? Or I mean, I can't even imagine what types of things some house sitters have run into, but I can imagine it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I touch wood that I haven't had any really big issues at all. The only ones I've really ever had was the, and this one's so minor to what other people have experienced. The power went out and for about three or four hours, I, for the life of me, could not find their power box. And I didn't want to call and ask a silly question like that. Eventually, I did find it in their kitchen cupboard where they'd done a renovation and just kind of covered over it. I've had another one where the hot water system broke. So I'm just so lucky I haven't had any issues. I haven't had any issues with the animals. I did have one situation where I showed up and the cat kind of just, I put my bag down, the cat just threw up all over it. And the woman goes, oh, I'm so, so sorry. He grows up every day. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of glad that happened now rather than it's starting to happen while you're gone and me thinking, God, do I, is, is this cat okay? <laughs> do I need to take like an emergency vet? And from learning all those little things now from all the houses I've been in, I do have a pretty comprehensive document that I send beforehand. That's about three or four pages that just is everything from what color bins go out and what day is anywhere that the animals can't go in the house. Just all the questions that I've kind of occurred over my house sitting journey. One thing I saw on your side that I thought was really interesting is it wasn't really house sitting at all. It was a boat that mentioned that you could stay at. On these platforms, I'm not going to say common, but is that something where you can see these things that are other than houses or would that be something you would have to find just kind of on your own through some kind of Facebook group or something? That one, actually, the woman actually reached out to us through Instagram. So Jay went and did that one. We'd been house-sitting. We'd done 10 months throughout Europe at that point, house-sitting. And I already said I'd go home for Christmas, back to Australia. And the woman messaged us, and that was in the Caribbean, Catamaran, he looked after. So Jay said he would go. And so he was on that for, I think, it was three or four months. And then we had a house-sit lined up in Mexico afterwards. And I was going to come over, and we we're going to meet up for that one. But that was in April of 2020. So you can kind of guess what happened then. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of the end of house sitting for a while. But yeah, the boat was a great one. I think Jay really enjoyed being on the catamaran and really enjoyed uh, the Caribbean. And do you know if on these major platforms, if those kind of things exist? Like I know Airbnb has gotten leaned a lot more into these non-typical houses because people just find it quirky. Have you seen anything like that on these big platforms or is it all pretty much just normal I'd houses. say it's pretty much normal houses. I know there is kind of a whole nother subsection of house sitting for people who do boat sitting as well, but I haven't actually seen it on the um, house sitting sites. I think it's more of a niche thing. If you were kind of in the sailing industry, you might kind of come, because when Jay did it, he had a lot of other people ask like, oh, could you do this for me? That's more of a network thing, I would say. Like once you start doing it, you'd meet more and more people. And Brett, you've mentioned a couple of times going away for three weeks up to a year and more. How does that work with like, do you have boots on the ground at home? Who's getting your mail? Like if you need something done in Melbourne where you're from, how does that get done? I'm just curious for those who are like, okay, I really want to do this, but I just don't understand the logistics of how I can leave my home for that long. So what systems do you guys have set up? 
So I pretty much have everything at my parents' place. All the mail goes there and everything. But I think that if someone wanted to try house sitting, you don't have to do it full time. I know a lot of people just use it for a holiday. If they want to go to Florida for a week or they want to go to Mexico for two weeks, it's a good way to kind of head away, but also get that local experience. So it doesn't have to be a full-time thing. And I think going forward for me, I will be getting a place this year and kind of just doing it that way as well. Because you know, as you get a bit older, you start to like have more and more stuff and it gets harder and harder to constantly move. And it's nice to kind of be in a community. So I think going forward, I will do more of just a month here, a few weeks there kind of way of doing it. If you were going to do one of these longer stays, like more like a year, Is there anything that you're allowed to do or you typically would do to make it a little bit more your own, like your own kind of living space? And also, what about like folks coming over to the house? Like, is that typically allowed or typically not? Most people will say, you know, it's fine if you have people over. I usually feel more comfortable not having people in someone's house. But did you mean before, what do I travel with for myself? Like, I mean, that and as like, if you're going to be somewhere for a year, I don't know. I mean, like some people, you might want to get your own office chair. I mean, a year's <laughs> a long time to be in one location for it to feel like it's not really like your place. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what I was actually thinking about. The amount of times I've actually lifted my office chair in and out of the car. That's one thing I get sick of because it's the most awkward thing to move. Because I work <laughs> from home, I have a setup. Like I've got computer screens and all sorts of things. So having all that stuff and moving it constantly is hard. So that's why I think this year, I kind of have put down more roots this year. I think COVID made everyone do that. So I do have a lot more stuff now and I and to work because I've had a lot of back issues in the past because, you know, when you're kind of sitting at a cafe or in someone's kitchen bench working away, it's not great for your back. So kind of I've got a good setup now. So I think that, yeah, going forward, I will have more stability in staying in places longer or having my own place as well. And have you ever flown with that chair? <laughs> Funny story, we did actually fly with a computer screen though. <laughs> I don't think the customers were very impressed with it, but they let us take it through some luggage on carry on. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, something I was thinking about, Justin and I recently recorded an episode and we were talking about creative ways to eliminate your housing expense or at least drastically reduce it. I don't know if you have any kind of a guess offhand, Britt, but over the past couple of years on an average year, like what are you spending on housing? It sounds like a lot of the time it's completely free. It sounds like you've rented a few places and COVID threw that off, but leaving COVID out of the picture, how much are you saving a year on rent by doing this stuff? Probably a year ago, I calculated, I reckon about 120 to 150,000. That was for five years worth of rent. You're not paying any electricity, you're not paying any water rates, you're not paying internet. The only thing we really bought was we bought a camper van when we were in Europe and we kind of used that as our home base when we were there and our transport. But yeah, I'd say 120 to 150,000. So I think that for someone, I don't know, you guys are in the fire space. I think that if someone really wanted to supercharge their fire and they were really committed, I think that people say travel hacking is getting free flights with points and that. But I think that what we really spend the most on is our accommodation, whether that's travel or at home. So if you really wanted to kind of cut out your biggest expense, I think house sitting would be a good option for someone. Absolutely. And earlier you mentioned kind of staying away from the money exchanging hands thing because of visas and taxes. So if you're just going to house sit for someone and they're not paying you, so you're saving thousands and thousands of dollars, is it correct that that's not considered any kind of income and so you don't have to worry about those things? That's kind of why I don't take any money because I just don't want to have to deal with invoicing and all sorts of things when I'm so busy with my own work that I just kind of 
use this as like, like I said, the value exchange. And I have seen other people have the issues with visas and that. So I've always just kept it straight down the line, not charging. But I know a lot of people who do and people charge $50, $60, $70 a night and then extras on top, like if they need to go pick up food or they need to, it's extra animals. So you can actually make a lot of money if you want to charge as well. So with the visas, are the big platforms like trusted house sitters, are they taking care of a lot of the legwork? Like do they say, okay, you're going to this place, you're going to need this visa or does the onus of that fall on you? Everything's on you. So depending on where you want to go, you kind of have to sort that out all for yourself. When we were in Europe, we were there for 10 months. So we kind of used the Schengen visa, but then Australia also has another type of visa you can use. So we kind of use both of those. So we could spend the 10 months there all within the Schengen region. Other than that, back to your question, yeah, it's all up to you kind of sorting out. They're there providing the platform and you have to sort everything else out yourself. And we obviously like to ask a lot of questions that are kind of the gotchas and the things to watch out for just because that's what always comes to mind. But to get listeners kind of excited about something like this, could you walk us through a stay that was to you was just the most exciting, like the coolest place in the coolest location? Like when you think about house sitting, like, I can't believe I'm staying in this place for free. Yeah, definitely. What would come to mind would be 100% our house that we did in Greece. We were there for two months and it was this incredible little beach town about 45 minutes out of Athens on the coast. So we kind of had the best of both worlds. We kind of felt like we're on a Greek island, but we could also go into Athens for the day and explore. This doesn't happen very often, but the homeowner said, look, I've got to come home just this weekend to pick up some things and then we'll head off again. We'll just be home for a night or two and we're like, that's fine, it's your house. And they came home on the weekend and she goes, I really want to throw a Sunday lunch for you with all our family. So they invited all their family and friends around. They had us in the kitchen all morning. She was helping her cook. She was showing us all her recipes. And then we sat down with the whole family and they were showing us their local honey they'd produced and their local olive oil and all their local spirits they'd made. And we're still friends with them to this day and they have plans to come over to Australia and I'd love to show them around. So just kind of those experiences where you really got like a really deep dive into just the way a culture interacts, you know, with family, food, all that. That's one of my favorite things about it all. And I'm sure as you start to tell your friends and family about this, you know, back in 2015, when you get started, people are like, this is a real thing. Like you're not paying anything for housing, traveling to all these amazing places. And I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, that was part of the genesis of the Traveling House Sitters, your website. I'd love to hear how that kind of just came to fruition and why you started the site. So we started the site just kind of like I mentioned before, a place to put all of our references because at the time we were using a few different websites. So it was kind of just a little hub for people to come to and kind of see all the places we'd been and all the houses we've done and all the animals we've looked after. But it kind of did evolve over the years to like you said, our family and friends kind of were interested in what we were doing and if they could do it themselves. So we started kind of putting up some resources and just some like info that to just like I'm saying today, just some little bits and pieces, you know, ways that they can get started themselves and the sites that we like to use because they're all the questions we get. And I think like, as you said before, people kind of get quite excited when they hear about house sitting. At first, they're a little bit dubious, you know, or you're living in someone else's home. But once the homeowner realizes that they don't have to put their animals in a kennel or beg friends and family to come feed them once or twice a day. People do kind of understand it is quite a really cool concept. And then they start to look and they realize there's just thousands of these house sits around the world. 
And being a part of this community, I know like your focus is like the house sitting, but is there like a whole other network of these kind of things that you're familiar with where people are going and staying at places for different kind of like, we're not where they're maybe just house sitting, but I can envision a world where somebody just needs a hand doing something, whether that be taking care of like, maybe they do have a lot of like farm animals or something where the person's still there, but they just need help. Are you familiar with that kind of stuff? Or I just didn't know if being in this world, you kind of come across things like that. Yeah, I have heard of one site called Workaway and you could just you can put in the kind of skills you have. It could be a hostel that needs some help with their website or all different things. So yeah, there are ways where you can go stay in different places and kind of do a skill exchange as well. We talked a little bit about the formation of the website and what it was for. And so how does that work exactly if somebody is wanting to come and they're interested? Like what is this three, four page sheet that you send? to potential clients, if you want to call them clients, like they're trying to get these tips and tricks. What does someone need to do when they go to your website to get that kind of information? That handover document, I actually haven't got that on the website yet. I am planning on putting it on there. I do have a section on the website that has all the email templates I use. Like I mentioned before, one of the biggest things I think is creating a custom email or application for everyone you do. So I do have templates, but they're easily customizable for each situation. But I could also kind of plug in all the information that I can use the information they've given me and show them my skills. So that's the email templates. That's one part of the section. That's the website. But the main part is the getting started. So if you go to the travelinghousesitters.com, you'll see in the top menu, there's a get started menu item. And it just kind of has the main two things I think you need to do really to get started is pick a house sitting site and build your references. So they'll take you to the house sit sites we like to use and as well as how to build your references because I guess references are like, you know, when you're starting a job and you haven't had any experience, you know, no one's really going to take a chance on you. But having those references behind you really kind of gives someone the social proof that you are a trustworthy person to have in their home. So I suggest those two things to do first. Head to the Get Started page and they'll kind of also on there we have a little rundown of all the places we've house sat and a little just of our experience and how we found that particular house sit in that country. And we also have some interviews on there of other house sitters who've been doing it for years as well. So if you want to read some other people's stories or the stories that we've had in certain locations, you can have a look at that as well on there. I was about to say one of the most interesting things I saw was things like 20 plus interviews with different house sitters. Are there any that stand out that you'd want to share with the audience before they go check it out for themselves? I think the one that does, and I get this question a lot is, I have my own pets or I'm a family. Can we still house sit? So we've actually got two interviews on there of two different families. And I think I've got three or four kids and they house sit full time as well. So I think they're two quite interesting ones. And would it be pretty typical that say you were a couple and you're wanting to do this and I've applied, but I want Leslie to come with me, that 99% of the time, like that's going to be totally fine for both of us to come. Yep. Um, only very rarely. I've probably seen it three or four times and I've looked at a lot of house sitting profiles that someone will say, I've got a cat that's more used to females. That's pretty much the only thing I've really ever seen. 99% of the time, they're welcoming to couples. And I find that it is kind of a bit easier to house it as a couple because you can overlap. So that way you don't really like one person can kind of head off to another house sit and you can kind of maybe have one or two days where you've got two going on. And with the families and the kids, or I mean, sorry, the families and your own pets. 
there are some filters on the house settings, different house setting sites where you can apply those. There are options for homeowners to say kid friendly or pet friendly as well, like bring your own for, um, animals friendly. Well, you have definitely shared a wealth of knowledge about house sitting and your personal journey and all these other amazing stories. And I'm sure that there's going to be listeners who are probably going to sign up for, you know, trusted house sitters or any of these other platforms, like literally immediately after listening to this episode. But I know you have a bunch of goodies that you'd recommend them checking out before they go and do that and before they make any mistakes with their profile. So for those who are interested, want to keep up with your story, want to know how to do this in the best way possible, or maybe they even want their house sat. Where are the best places for people to get in contact, follow along and get all your resources? So you can find me at thetravelinghousesitters.com. So it's traveling with two L's because it's an Australian spelling that we always struggle with. Probably find me best. I'll give you the link for it, but we have a house sitting group on Facebook and there's 8,000 other house sitters and homeowners. So it's a mix of the two. And there's always people in there asking questions about getting started as a house sitter or looking for someone in a certain location. So that is a good spot to find house sits in there as well. Those are the two best places to find me. Well, Britt, thank you so much for coming on the show and giving us some time. This is definitely one of those type things that I have always put in the back of my mind that when I get ready to start traveling full time, that this is something that I want to do, but I've never actually taken the time, make the profile, all that sort of thing. And so you definitely inspired me to look into doing it locally in the States, like in Austin, just to get started and get some of those references. So I appreciate you coming on the show and just giving us an introduction to this and giving us spots to go to really deep dive. Thank you. Yeah. I'll just say as well, like we did one house six weeks in Rome. Imagine what that's going to cost for an Airbnb for six weeks in Rome and how much time we actually had to explore a place. So if you do want to travel and you do want to do these things, I should suggest that you start doing some house sitting locally so you can kind of have these experiences as well if you like. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to another episode of The Fi Show. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, the best way to do that is to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts share this with a friend. And also don't forget, you can find 200 plus episodes and all the information you'd ever want to have about these episodes over at thefyshow.com. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button because that way every Wednesday you can have our latest episode delivered straight to your phone. Until next time. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available, the very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.